Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Robert Glasscock, Thomas Miller here with you, and we're going to continue our series that we're doing on the various axis points of the houses. We started actually with the third and the ninth, then we swung back around in a couple episodes back to the first and the seventh houses. Now we're going to talk about the second and the eighth. Money comes to mind, other people's money, also transformation, and what we value most. Robert? (laughs) Boy, oh boy, I love this axis. It's so key to a person's life because it really does. The second house, it does rule money to the degree that we classically think about astrology, but the esoteric meaning of this house is self-worth. The implication being as we value ourselves or devalue ourselves, so goes our money. So the second house, the sign on the second house, will tell you a lot about your belief systems about money. Earth signs there, for example, tend to have a very physical relationship to money. They value money for what it can get them in the way of possessions and material security, a house, a car, a steady income, a big bank account, and so on. So they have a physical relationship to money in terms of tangibility and so on, the earth signs. Air signs on the second house will tend to have an intellectual relationship to money. So it's a completely different orient, and very often the signs on the second house will tell you a great deal about particular talents that you have, talents that can be converted into money. So, for example, an air sign there, your intellect, your communicative skills can be translated into money. You have Gemini on the second, one of the classic indications with Gemini on the second is here's a person with a talent for networking, for connecting with people and connecting other people with people and for communicating through writing and speaking and traveling. So you get a wealth of information just by studying the nature of the sign on the second cusp, because that will give you a big clue as to how you value your own self-worth, or if you have the ruler of the second house afflicted, so to speak, with squares and oppositions, where you will experience conflicts in relationship to your self-worth. Those hard aspects are not necessarily bad, by the way. Hard aspects to the ruler of the second house will show conflicts, but the conflicts are meant to motivate you to take actions so that hard aspects correlate with ambition. So let's say you have Leo on the second house. That's a terrific sign just there to have on the second house because it connotes that, in fact, you are born to capitalize on your own self-confidence and your own creative talents. Now, let's say the sun, which rules Leo, is in a square with Saturn. And let's say your father, which is the sun, and it's also Saturn. And here we have a square from the sun to Saturn. Your creativity or your own self-worth 
may be in conflict with what your father or your family wants you to do. So you may want to go into self-employment or creative field, which is inherently risky, whereas your father or your family, with that square from Saturn to the sun, will have a conservative, they will say, that, but you can't make money. Create. You need to go into something like law or medicine or banking and finance. So there's the conflict. And then the existential question in a person's life like that becomes, will you be able to follow your own bliss and do what you want to do, sincerely want to do with your life? Or will you sacrifice what you want to do in trying to please your parents. That's just a kind of cliche interpretation of that. So by reading that second house and planets in the second house, which will further give details about how you can make money and how you handle money, then you're ahead of the game because now you have a conscious picture of, gee, I'm born with these things. If I develop these things consciously, I can make money. Then you look to the ruler of the second and any planets in that house. See if those planets form trines and sextiles to other planets in other houses. Because those other planets forming trines and sextiles and the houses that they are in or the houses that they rule will also give you some detailed information about how you can make money because you value those things in yourself. The eighth house opposite the second, yes, it rules other people's money, but again, esoterically, what it shows is how you value or devalue other people. And believe it or not, these two houses absolutely correlate to emotional relationships, marriage, love. The fifth house, for example, and the eleventh, square the second eighth axis. So a person's self-worth and how they value other people shown at the eighth house plays a key role in how relationships go. And as we all know, love and money can be a volatile mix in life. And astrology gives you a lot of keys on where to anticipate conflicts of values or harmonious values. And you can have relationships with both, and most people have both mixed up in various quantities in relationships. But these are big clues for, for dealing with money issues, not only on your own, but in terms of relationships. The eighth house, for example, becomes key when you are thinking about taking out a loan or undertaking a mortgage. Any kind of joint financial obligation and responsibility will be shown at the eighth house. Well, it's opposite the second. So again, your your own monetary approach in life, which is shown at the second house, will affect how you do or do not handle credit and loans, for example, in the eighth house. Second of all, let's not forget the eighth house, along with the fifth, rules sex. So here we go in astrology, this incredible ancient archetype that says sex, death, and transformation, and money are all tied together, and indeed they are. As anybody who reads Shakespeare, go look at Macbeth, a great play having to do with sex, money, and power.
and death. <laughs> it's one of the bloodiest plays Shakespeare ever wrote. So it's fascinating how these two houses are actually incredibly deep houses that contain a lot of information about what we think about ourselves and what we value in ourselves and how we handle those talents that are shown in this house. And the potential here is for absolute transformation, which means simply the phoenix rising from the ashes, which is the natural Scorpio symbol and the natural eighth house ruler. If you understand your second eighth axis fairly fully, you can absolutely change anything in your life. We have a history of incredible actors and actresses who came from nothing and, and came from horrible backgrounds who ultimately became great stars, made a lot of money, and were very successful in life. So it's an interesting axis. I think it's probably one of the most important axes in the chart, really, because the eighth house absolutely does rule death, as we talked about in another podcast, having to do with Matthew Perry's death. So this second eighth axis about how I value myself and my talents and self-worth, the opposite of that is self-negation. So this house, these two houses, this axis, can play a role in self-destructive behavior if it's unconscious. So it's an incredibly rich axis to study. You know, I think one thing people think, freak out a little bit maybe is if they don't have any planets in the second house, does that mean they're going to not have as much <laughs> money-creating power in this lifetime? No. You know, we all have empty houses, and it doesn't mean that we won't have anything to do with that house. It simply means that the ruler of that house is a planet, and you begin to study it in relationship to, in this case, money and self-worth and valuing other people. So, no, an empty house doesn't mean that that house takes uh, less precedence in, in a life. It simply means very often that money may be related more to something else in a chart. Let's say you have an empty second house and the ruler of the second house is in your sixth house. Well, now the implication in the chart is that what the work that you do becomes more important to you than making a lot of money. If you happen to make a lot of money doing what you love to do, so much the better. But there are people with a loaded sixth house who really, their accrual of money becomes more important than the work they do. You see what I mean? There's a whole difference here. There are people who want to amass a big bank account. Doesn't matter how they do it. They want that. They want a lot of zeros after the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the numbers. And it does. Sometimes this can indicate a criminal, for example, who really doesn't have any talent. And in fact, criminal self-worth is I can't get what I want legitimately, so I have to cheat to get it. And you see this all over the place. So criminals internal metaphysical energy, if you will, is a belief in their own weakness. People who are confident genuinely, they will earn a living. They'll get the education. They'll spend the time and the effort to get what they want legitimately. Crooks don't. They just want a lot of money and a lot of power. So there's a difference here. 
So if you have an empty second house, look to the ruler of that house, see where it is. Maybe it's in the ninth house, which indicates, among other things, that the more higher education you get, the better as far as earning a living. You see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Some people may have an empty second house and they have the ruler of the second in the eighth or in the seventh house. They'll marry money. That's how they get it. So you can get a lot of clues, even from an empty house, simply by following the train from the ruler of the empty house and seeing where it's located and what that house means. Also, those characteristics of that ruling sign. Totally. Totally. I'll tell you on that end, one thing that I've been playing with, because I have cancer as the ruling sign of the second, and it dawned on me that whenever I followed intuitive guidance related to money, such as email Fred Dodson about narrating his audiobooks, and I followed that prompt, and it completely changed my life. With cancer, the moon, intuition, I've done a lot better when I just follow that than drafting up a business plan of, I'd like to get into the audiobook business. Interesting. Interesting. And your moon is in your fifth house, isn't it? Uh, It's in the fourth in equal. So your moon's on the fifth cusp. That's what I remember. Okay. Yeah, it's in the fourth working from home, <laughs> among other things. Working from home all the time. Collaborations. But also uh, a very creative moon, because it's on the fifth, which is where everything else is, your sun and Neptune and Mars, all of that. So, in, and, and Scorpio ruling, among other things, fascinating to me, metaphysics and spirituality and religion. And so your whole life really has been about creative transformation. And what I know of your background at one point, even you were considering going into the ministry because you came from a fairly conservative religious background and thought about that. And instead of doing that, you've become not only a metaphysician, but I like to call you the Merv Griffin of metaphysics because you <laughs> collaborate with so many of us, including me, to bring metaphysics to the public through broadcasting, which is certainly a, a creative fifth house and ninth house in Sagittarius kind of career. And indeed, you have Sagittarius in your sixth of work with Jupiter there and Mercury there. So again, you can begin to read all of this. Your your second house is not empty. You have Uranus there, which is one of the first signs of, I want to be self-employed. <laughs> it's just Money comes and money right goes. Right off the bat, money comes and money goes. <laughs> <laughs> But Surprise! Don't open that letter. <laughs> because your self-worth is connected with your own creativity and independence and spirituality and metaphysics and astrology with Uranus there. So you're not out to make money for its own sake. Yeah, exactly. And once you're I released out. that, then life really changed. It does. Well, here's another episode loaded with valuable information. Take notes, take notes, take notes, <laughs> and incorporate it into your own synthesis. Weave all of the material that you hear from him in, and you will become one amazing astrologer. I just can tell you from the path that I've been on with him for the last number of years. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. Glasscock.